Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're considering a divorce, it's important to know you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. On today's edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we're talking with Jessica Simmons, a divorce financial professional in both California and Ohio. Thank you for joining us today, Jessica. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I appreciate you having me. Having me. So you're a member of practice groups in Columbus, Ohio, and in California. How do you do that? That's, wow. a, that's a long way away from each other. Coast to coast almost. Uh, so I used to live in San Diego, and that's actually when right when I started doing financial advisory work. So that's been about 13 years now uh, since I became a CFP and have been meeting with clients for wealth management. However, I did grow up in Ohio and my family is in Ohio. My husband's family is in Ohio. So at some point it made sense for us to make a move back to be closer with our family but I still maintain a connection in California and I got certified as a CDFA in, right after I moved back to Ohio. But because there's so much need in California, after I got trained in collaborative divorce, I started looking for a practice group that would allow me to work with clients in both locations. And the virtual divorce California group is the one that I found in California, which is perfect for my situation because it allows me to work remotely with clients in California while still maintaining my physical presence in Ohio. So all my Ohio collaborative work tends to be face-to-face or Sometimes these days in this post-pandemic world, they still want to meet virtually anyway, um, but but it tends to be yeah, just more face-to-face in Ohio. But they have the virtual program in California is great because it doesn't matter what part of California you're in, how remote you might be from a big city or a collaborative group, you can really get it done no matter where you're at. So the, the name virtual divorce uh, sort of has a funny connotation to it. Um, but how is a virtual divorce different from when you are meeting in person? It is kind of funny. It sounds like an AI powered divorce. You just put in Chad GPT and it spits out a divorce decree. But I think you'll I think people will find it's a very similar process to a more traditional face-to-face approach. But as we all know and are so familiar now with the Zoom and the the teams and all the the virtual meetings, there's a there is a little bit of a difference to it in just who responds to who and when. And you know, it's a little um, you know, it takes some skilled facilitators to guide everybody through that process and make sure everybody has a voice versus when you're all at the table together and can read body language a little more. And one of the things I always think is really important is to r- turn off all the distractions that can be uh, online that you don't have when you're face to face. I mean, obviously, in somebody's conference room, we're not pulling out laptops to answer email, but it can be very easy to slip into that where you're you're going along and you're in your conversation. And then all of a sudden somebody's eyes wander. (laughs) They're checking on what the kids are doing in the background, which hopefully they're not even in the room um, during your, your divorce uh, meetings. But um, you know, it's like, Oh, 
are you making dinner while we're having these covered? No. So, you know, very important that everybody shuts down and minimizes the distractions as much as possible. Emails are down, web browsers are down and really just focuses in on the conversation. Yeah. Are there uh, advantages besides convenience to, to doing it virtually? I well, one of them would just be the ability to kind of do it from wherever. So if you're traveling for work, but you still want to keep making progress on on your your divorce process, that you don't have to let those kinds of things impact the ability to to continue moving forward. But I do think convenience is a big part of it. Um, although one part I will say that I like is sometimes when I'm sitting in with a group of people, there might be we we had a question about a 529 account and oh wait, who owns that account? And we didn't have the documents right in front of us in the face-to-face setting, but in a, in a virtual setting, you just pull it right up on your computer and everybody can look at the same thing, but you also don't have to have a big binder of statements and pay stubs and mortgage loan statements, um, with you, uh, physically, because you can just pull it right up on the screen. So some of those ease of, of sharing information, um, components, I think are nice in the virtual setting, but really for me, I think that in collaborative, especially, there's so many professionals involved and busy working spouses or people with kids, you know, it can be very hard to coordinate the schedules of six or seven people. So it's so much easier in the virtual environment because there's no travel time to account for. You don't have to find a meeting space that's big enough. Somebody can take an hour or two out of their workday and still be able to go back to the workday. So I think it just lends itself to getting things done a little quicker because, and especially our, I mean, our attorneys are always so busy because they're like, oh, I'm in court that whole day. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So it can be very hard to find that time to all sit down together in the face-to-face environment. So what attracted you to collaborative divorce in particular? I really, I had heard about it from, I have a business coach for for my divorce services. And she was telling us some stories about her collaborative group and their process and some of their cases. And it just sounded like such a peaceful, easy, well, not easy, it's never easy, right? But easier, more amicable way of doing things. And I do mediation too. And I, I love mediation. I think that can be really effective sometimes. But when people want to have an attorney present or they need some, uh, someone to help them navigate the emotional components of things, I just think it makes so much sense for everybody to sit together and come to the table together instead of like I have a client now who she's got an attorney and a therapist and me as her financial and none of us sit down and talk to each other ever. It's all what he say. Oh, okay. Well, tell him this. Like it's, it doesn't, it's not efficient. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're wanting a group of professionals to help you through it, which I believe everybody needs all of those things when they're going through a divorce, why not just have everybody at the table working it on it together? So are there differences in how uh, cases are handled in Columbus versus in, versus in California? That's a good question. So, I mean, I think the only real 
difference comes down to when the attorneys are providing or the financial are providing education on what a court would do. I'm making air quotes. What would happen in a court of law? You know, those conversations are different because the laws are a little bit different from state to state. But in collaborative, you don't really have to follow what the court would do necessarily. So you can still have those creative conversations about, well, this is what the court would do, but we're not in court. And so, you know, let's talk about what other options might make sense for your family. So, you know, just that little nuance of of the educational component for people is a little different on either the law or even the financial pieces of it and taxes, you know, especially. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a, a huge difference. Um, I, I think the only other difference, I guess I would point out is at least in, in my collaborative groups that I've been in, um, in California, they went to therapists and in Ohio, it's only one. Uh, so in in the California groups, it's well, you've got somebody to talk to and you've got somebody to talk to versus just having the one person in Ohio. What's your take on that? Is 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 one way better than another in your view? Hmm. So I think. I, I don't want to step on either state's toes. <laughs> so, I mean, I think both work really effectively. I can see both points of view. I have seen in Ohio, though, that having one person is still effective. So I I think having, I if I could redo the California collaborative <laughs> rules, I guess I would say to have people have the option, because some people, I, I think some people may not feel comfortable sharing the same things that they might share if they knew they had kind of their person um, mm -hmm. that they could really open up to from a mental health perspective. So I can see some spouses wanting to keep that separate, but a very good therapist tends to be able to navigate those waters with a lot of tact um, and, and to be able to share times where they can be confidential and, and keep certain things confidential versus times where, you know, it does make sense to share this with the group. Um, but just being able to do that with full disclosure to, to each spouse, I, I think most of them can handle that pretty well. So you, you talked a little bit earlier about uh, sort of some of the rules for doing a, a, a virtual divorce of turning off your screens and, uh, and, and remaining focused in the moment in a way that, uh, uh, is, uh, easier to do in person, but, um, uh, but are there some circumstances where you've seen some things go awry? And I'll, I'll tell you the story that I had somebody tell me that, that they, uh, they were doing, and this is in the height of the pandemic, and they were doing a, a, a meeting and the, uh, the, the guy in the divorce, was uh, in the bedroom, uh, sitting on the edge of the bed and was, uh, you know, and was participating. And then the problem came up when the girlfriend crawled into the bed next to him. Oh. <laughs> you won't see that in face to face. <laughs> and, and of course, everything went blah, 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 blah at that point. And, uh, and, and so she was telling me that, that one of the, one of the things that they go over in a virtual circumstance like that is 
that, you know, nobody else is supposed to be in the room with you. And and she was saying she makes the clients you take the camera and show that there's nobody else in the room as a part of that. So have you have you had some experiences that that like that that said we have to be really cognizant of what else is going on so that things don't interfere with the with the uh, with the process when it's virtual like that? Sure. And as you were talking there there's something I thought that I should mention is that always cameras on is really important. Um, people can get bad about that in work environments. So I was in a web meeting yesterday that was uh, for my financial planning practice and everybody had their cameras off and it's impossible to do it without being able to see each other. So that is one thing, always cameras on. And ideally, yeah, like, like I said, something about kids, any kids, got to try to make arrangements for them to be ideally not even in the house so they can be with grandma, grandpa, babysitter, um, somebody watching to make sure they're not peeking in, especially when you have the really little ones because they have no boundaries. They're just going to come in and want a popsicle or (laughs) need to go to the bathroom. Um, You know, those things are so disruptive to the process that wouldn't happen face to face. So you have to make some accommodations there. Even like my cat, I'm surprised is not in here with me right now, trying to be a part of our conversation. So, you know, take, can you take the dogs out? So they're not barking at the Amazon delivery guy. Um, all those little distractions you have to plan ahead for, because yeah, I, my, if, if I had my cat in here, you would, she would show you a side of her that nobody really wants to see. So, so yeah. When yeah. you be, when you begin a, a virtual divorce like that, do you all hand out, uh, sort of of the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and we really talk about that too face to face. I mean, here are here are some not only rules, but tips, I guess, for a successful process. Um, and our therapists do a really good job of that, too, of saying, OK, in order for this to be successful, these are some some levels of communication and respect and um, even uh, being willing to compromise that, you know, these are some things that are going to need to happen and setting ground rules for, for the discussions and shared goals. You know, so we try to really set everybody up for success because the last thing you want to do is have the process devolve into a place where everybody feels like, Oh, you know what, we're going to end up in court. So the more you can set the stage for people and have them know how to best effectively get through the process is a critical first step in before you even get started talking about assets or parenting plans. All right. Well, we've been talking today with Jessica Simmons, who is a financial professional, divorce financial professional in California and in Ohio. We appreciate your being with us today, Jessica. It was great to be here, Tim. I appreciate getting a chance to talk with you. And um, I know your listeners are potentially going through some pretty tough times. So just knowing there are people here who care about you and who are here to help you through it. um, Just, you know, everybody always can hang their hat on that and, and know it's there's a bright future ahead. We just got to get you there. So how can how can someone contact you? Sure. Um, my email address right now, it is actually going to change in the new year. Um, but right now it's Jessica 
at aurorawealth.com or you can find me on LinkedIn is uh, that'll never change. So Jessica Simmons um, and in my LinkedIn, it's listed as Columbus, I believe. Okay. All right. Thanks you for joining us on the Respectful Divorce Podcast today and listening to our conversation today with Jessica Simmons. This reminder that Divorce with Respect Week is March 4th through 8th, 2024. For more information, you can go to divorcewithrespectweek.com. This is Tim Crouch reminding you that collaborative divorce is a better way to untie the knot.